invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of His Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven, and was incarnate by the Holy Ghost of the Virgin Mary, and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the Scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sitteth on the right hand of the Father. And he shall come again with glory to judge both the quick and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Lord and giver of life, who proceedeth from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spake by the prophets, and I believe one Catholic and apostolic church, I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead, and the life of the world to come. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. To begin with, All Saints Day is a celebration of the, the recognition that you're not, you know, you, you're not subjected to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ off on an island entirely by yourself, making things up as you go, subject to all of your blind spots or inclinations um, that you cannot see and may never be able to see, but you are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Uh, that have gone before us, that somehow are still linked to the life and activity of the church. Uh, the vast majority of Christian beings, that, you know, the joke is, as Jesus says in John 8, uh, before Abraham was, I am, and they say Abraham has been dead for a long time. He says, Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it. Uh, I'm not the God of the, of the dead, I'm the God of the living. The vast majority of the church, which is still a part of the church, is dead already. What's that mean? They're just not here. <laughs> but when we, get, when we get to the part where you know, you'll be subjected to the priestly chanting, therefore with angels and archangels and with all the company of the host of heaven. And the way that the church has always looked at that is we worship in conjunction with all those that have gone before. Uh, the, one of the reasons we lean so heavily on the tradition of the church is it's unfair to rip in, into the current world what our tastes would like while so much of the church is still worshiping and still participating and has already gone before. Uh, we're bound to them and they're bound to us and there's some manner of interaction, none of which we can quite set up a mechanistic system to figure out, but we continue to pray for the departed and we assume that they continue to do something similar to that for us. Um, this is the recognition that those of us alive today sitting in this particular space are worshiping con in conjunction with all of the, of the sacramental life, you know, living church in the world today, and all that have gone before, and all that will come after. But I want to talk specifically about saints uh, for a little bit. This is sort of a gag that's gone to way too many late night conversations of, do you want to be a saint? <laughs> you know, so forgive me if you've already heard that question asked uh, two in the morning. But, but it's a question that actually stands. I want to talk a little bit about the saints. You, you already kind of get to see this, so you think, oh my God, he, he ordained clergy. He ordained this Bishop Scarlet who has a stick and a pointy hat now, you know. I'm Father Mark who gets to wear a pretty robe on Sundays. Like, he's ordained these clergy who have been called out from the normal, you know, pace of life to represent, to iconographically present or sacramentally present 
Christ to the world. So you think, wow, these clergy must be really holy. I did a funeral two, <laughs> two weeks ago, and they were talking about a guy who liked, liked to sort of enjoy himself a little too much, and they're like, you know, Father Mark, he probably wasn't as tame as you are on the moral front. I'm like, if you only knew me, <laughs> you know, I, I'm every bit as human as that man, and maybe he was a lot better than I am. Um, so when you get to the inside of the church, you realize that even the clergy of the church themselves are actual human beings that have been tasked by God with an office that is Christ's office that they can't possibly live up to. So when you, when you get into the kitchen and see how the sausage is made, it isn't pretty sometimes. You've got very fallen people administering a, an organization full of human beings. And, you know, you see enough of those sort of still-life saint poses on, on icons or in church walls that you think they must have been these passive, holy, kindly people. The saints were weird. I mean, if, if you, I, I'll, I'll just say this. At the Council of Nicaea, they had to pass a canon that informed clergy they're not supposed to castrate themselves. And that's not what that passage in the gospel meant, that you've become eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. And you're like, how did we needed to write that down? <laughs> like, was that, was that an epidemic, you know, in the, in the early church? <laughs> you know, and apparently it was. You look at these guys and you go, how did you end up as a saint? Or, or you think, they must have all been nice little, you know, Albanians like Mother Teresa. They weren't. Augustine was a very prickly guy who pissed a lot of people off. You know, it's not like they walked around as these dudes that everybody was drawn to, you know, simply because they were all one particular way, all nice, all brilliant, all, you know, fill in the blank. They were as strange as humans can be. And actually, I've been thinking for a long time about what could possibly link this group of people together as all of the saints of the church? What do they share in common? Because there's no, there's no real obvious thread on the face of it once you get to know them. Um, and the only thing I can think of is they actually tried to be Christians. They, they, weren't, they weren't like the, the temptation of life is, as a, you know, you hit that age 30 plateau or it can, it can even go longer and longer and longer than that. There's always the I know I should, but these are the people that found a way not to let that but sort of win out. These were the people that hear, you know, that gospel and that sounds great. You know, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those, you know, pure in heart for they shall see God. Blessed are this and that and the other thing. These people, people, what they have in common, they were all strange. They were all really, really intent on actually doing everything they could to work out the practical reality of the Christian vocation that they had been given in their life. That's the thing that links them together. So they get a little crazy. So they get a little myopic. They needed to have that edge to be able to push through the mundane, just sort of trapping out all development in these things. And again, if you want to get a kick out of it sometime, Go look at some of these people. If you, if you get into the yearly rhythm of the church's seasonal calendar, and then you get into the weekly rhythm of the fasting and feasting that comes in the week, start to get into the daily rhythm of the offices and look at the saints who are, are there for you know, the days. I mean, Simon the Stylite decided he wanted to stand on a gigantic rock pillar for 30 years. Why? I have no idea. And, 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 and next thing you know, you turn around the desert and there's 40 other guys doing it, you know. Uh, St. Anthony wanted to be locked into a grave to actually do physical battle with the demons that would assault him. They dragged him out one night, and all he could say after he finally was able to recover consciousness was, bring me back. And you look at these people like, what are you doing? Why, why would you possibly be like this? And you'll come to find they were all very flawed people. 
Uh, they all they all took Christianity very seriously, and they didn't let the normalcy of life, the, 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 the idolatrous tendency of most of the human race, to focus oneself on the created world and forget that it's always meant to be a sacramental presencing of God's, of God's love, of God's activity, of God's interaction with us. So what does that mean for us? So, okay, here, here's the playful thing again. So do you want to be a saint? The answer that most of us would honestly give, if we looked at it, if it was really as simple as, what does it take? Actually do what you know you're supposed to do. No excuses for decades. And wait and see what happens. If, if we honestly said, do you want to be a saint? Most of us in the depths of our soul would go, I'd actually rather not. I'd actually rather just sort of cruise in this. I'm going to tithe. I'm going to pray the offices at points, you know, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to, generally speaking, be good to my friends and charitable to my community. But there's not that sort of fire in the belly. There's not that sort of driving motive force that would push us over into it. Um, so the question is, why not and do you care? And, 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 and why does it actually matter? Um, I want to I sort of wrap it by saying, uh, Benedict XVI, you know, Pope Emeritus now said... Um, the only thing, for all the, for all the flaws that the church has shown throughout its entire history, for all the middle-aged problems that we had, the only thing that ever justified the church was the art formed in her bosom and the holiness of her members. And the Ross Do That book that we just fi- finished on Wednesday night pointed out, Mother Teresa's witness in the last century did more than any parachurch organization, more than any theological board, more than any Christian book written, more than any mega pastor, rock star, preacher, whatever. Mother Teresa's witness of holy living did more than anything else in the 20th century to make her, well, her and John Paul II, but for different reasons, one from the bottom up and one from the top down. But their witnesses did more than anything else to make in a post-Christian culture all of a sudden, you couldn't dismiss her. You could think her theology was moronic. You could think that her church was archaic. You could think whatever you wanted. But there wasn't a soul on the planet that could dismiss her. And then a little Albanian lady walked into Congress and harangued them for you know, their abortion laws. And nobody would say a word against her. You know Why? There was something about that woman. And you think, wow, she must have been incredibly gifted by God. There must have been this incredible grace given to her. Look, any of us could go get a job tomorrow at a nursing home and care for dying people. That's what she did. And you think, well, she must have had this incredible prayer life. She must have had this incredible calling and gifting from God that she just felt this all the time and that sustained her. She is on record as having the church's longest known dark night of the soul in a person that will probably end up being called a saint. She went 49 years, asked for her journals to be burned so nobody would find this, but she went 49 years without feeling the joy of the presence of God. What made Mother Teresa Mother Teresa? She chose to do it. There was no supernatural, you know, amazing burning bush for her. There was no, it wasn't that she was on some grand world stage. She started picking people off of the curbs of Calcutta, And she didn't feel the consolation of her union with God for 49 years. And she kept doing it. That's what makes a saint. There's not a single set of personality here or giftings that can't also endeavor to be that same thing. And the vocation of the church going forward, this is actually my last thought. This is a conversation I had with with Chris the other night. Um, Already, we're the type of people and we're the type of community that's generally speaking attractive to a world that feels cut off and alienated. 
Um, going forward, though, the more, the more we can cultivate that holiness, the more we can cultivate that saintliness, all the more attractive will this community become. And my brother was sharing with me that um, you don't remember it, or you don't, you're not, it's not conscious in your mind because you just take for granted, you spend most of your time in a Christian community, what it means to have people have the life and light of Christ actually in them. It says, go, be reminded, go out there and feel how dark it is where there aren't the saints. Go out there and feel how dark it is where, where there aren't the baptized, where there aren't the practicing, where there aren't the ones making at least the half or three quarters effort. Go see how dark the corners of the world are that, that lack the light and life of Christ. That's what we are incarnating. We, we have before us the potential to be members of that great communion of all saints, even if we just sort of do it in the normal way, but... Going forward, we need public examples of holiness. We need public examples of saintliness. Not people talking about things. Not people telling people how to live or act. We need the Mother Teresas of the world, completely normal people, who made an act of will, a tenacious act of will, and carried it out for 50 years, and became a worldwide you know, phenomena that, that did more than anything else in the last 100 years, for no, no explicable reason to make manifest in a post-Christian culture the, the reality of the gospel of Christ. Um, it's an act of the will and a tenacious act of the will. It's accessible. You are, no, you are no more normal than any of the wacko saints. The only thing that made them a little different was their tenacious de- decision and, and, and will to stick it through and look at these crazy things that the gospel says and go, okay, I believe it then, so let's do this. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven.